Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbrey is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Do you have the Rona? No, my damn sinuses, you know. The new Delta variant? Right, yeah, right, it's gonna get us. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this 161st episode of Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be with you. I am joined by co-host Amber Green. We are back from our holiday week off. Perception is Reality generally takes the week of the 4th of July off, and this last past week was no exception, but we are back and ready to work, and we have a big, big show for you. And I am so happy that you've clicked the link and are sharing a little bit of time with us. I do want to apologize right up front for my voice. Uh, Longtime listeners will know that I'm dealing with sinus issues, as I oftentimes do. I apologize for that. We'll try to not make that as bad as possible uh, and uh, see what goes on from there. But we are so excited. We have a big episode for you scheduled for this episode. It's a very important episode for everybody who listens everywhere, but specifically if you're listening from Delaware County, Indiana, this is an episode that is going to matter so much to you, and we're going to ask that you share with everyone. I'm going to ask everybody, as I always do, please share the show with everyone you know. Remind folks that we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. All they have to do is search for us by name, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we'll pop right up. Also, don't forget to check us out on the home link, which is perception.fireside.fm. Again, that is perception.fireside.fm perception.fireside.fm that's the home link we have every episode ever there and descriptions of all those episodes so you can find everything there also don't forget to check us out on facebook at facebook.com forward slash bilbury 318 or christopher h bilbury on facebook there you'll get live episodes and various other information that you won't want to miss all right folks this episode is going to be a very big episode, again, for everybody, because this is going on everywhere, but specifically for those people who live in Indiana and Delaware County, Indiana, even more so. We're going to be talking about a severe situation going on currently in our Delaware County, Indiana Sheriff's Department with the deputies, with our corrections officers, and with our 911 call center call takers. 
we right now are dealing with a situation where their pay is drastically under what it should be, what it is compared with other counties, other departments of our size, and with the counties where they have equal population. We are very, very, very underpaid as, as deputies go. I believe it's been 10 years, maybe more, since the deputies have gotten raises, and we have some of the lowest paid deputies and the ranking positions of of anywhere in Indiana. And it's not just something that I'm saying. It's not something that the sheriff is saying, and there's no information to back this up. They have the information. It's there in black and white, and it's causing an issue. And it's not just that the police officers around here aren't making money and that the correctional officers aren't making money. The reason this is an issue is the sheriff's department, the jail, the call center is not being able to be competitive. So what's happening is we're hiring various folks, guys and gals, for the sheriff's department or for the jail or for the call center. We're training those people. And then after a few years, they are leaving to go to other departments throughout Indiana, sometimes in the same county, to make more money to do the same job. And that leaves us with younger officers, not very qualified officers, and it leaves us not being very competitive. And currently, it's leaving us in a state that is drastically, drastically undermanned. The 911 call center is currently eight or nine people understaffed. The sheriff's department road deputies are severely understaffed and the jail has lost like 25 some people in the last five months. This is something that is going to be dire for the citizens of Delaware County and we can stand up and help this right now by taking a little bit of action. We talk on the podcast all the time about getting educated and getting active about something in the community. And this is something that in Delaware County, we can absolutely get involved with. And let me be very clear, for those of you that are listening that don't live in Delaware County, Indiana, you need to look around because I'm sure that something very similar to this is happening in your neck of the woods. This show tonight is not just for the citizens of Delaware County. It's for anybody anywhere because I'm telling you, chances are you might be living in a community that's having a difficult time taking care of their men and women in law enforcement, in your emergency medical services field, in your fire departments, in the 911 call centers. You need to look into this, but this is specifically important for the folks in Delaware County, Indiana, and I'm asking you definitely, definitely to share this episode. We're going to get into this episode. I'm going to hear from Amber because she's who initially brought this to my attention last week. She she brought this up. Uh, and this is something that's been going on for a while, but it's been very hush-hush. 
Amber brought this to my attention. I've done some looking into this. There's more work that we have to do, but I said we can't wait any longer. We need to get this information out, and what better way than episode 161? So we're going to take a real quick break, and I think so we don't have to break the episode up. We're going to take both of our commercials now. When we come back, we're going to get into the meat of what's going on and give you guys the information that you need so that you can be educated and you can be active. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the 161st episode of Perception is Reality. She's Amber, I'm Chris, and we'll be right back. Friends, I can tell you as a musician for the last 25 years whose primary instrument is the drum kit that it has taken a lot of hard work, dedication, and years to make myself as proficient as I feel like I am on that instrument today. During that same time, at various points and dozens of times, I have picked up and also then put down the guitar trying to learn enough to impress my friends, maybe impress a girl, play that really cool cover, or maybe try and write my own music. It's just really tough when you don't have the same kind of dedication that I had on the drums. Maybe you don't have the time, but you'd still like to noodle around. Studies show children that play musical instruments do better in math and science. Are you interested in starting them out early? Are you interested in making a little bit of beautiful noise that doesn't annoy everyone and relieves stress? Well, let me tell you, there is an invention just for you. It's called Bob McNally's Strumstick. Strumstick was invented by Bob McNally. It's a three-stringed musical instrument. It's especially for beginners, but everyone will enjoy it. I have one, and it is a blast. Because of the tuning and the way the frets are spaced, there are effectively no wrong notes. The Strumstick is designed to play in just one key instead of all 12. Look, if you know what that means, you're a musician, and you'll love this thing. If you don't know what that means, it doesn't matter, because you will love this thing. You really need to check it out. Go to Strum strumstick.com and check out Bob McNally's Strumstick. You will not be disappointed. Perception is reality. Folks, are you in the market for a new tattoo or body piercing? Then you need to check out Mr. Chad Jones and his crew at Abandon All Hope Tattoo and Body Piercing. They're located at 1716 North Wheeling Avenue, Suite 1 in Muncie, Indiana. Their phone number is 765-896-8985. You can find them on Facebook at Abandon All Hope Tattoo. Again, that's Mr. Chad Jones and crew at Abandon All Hope Tattoo and Body Piercing. Check them out today. We are back, episode 161. I want to apologize for doing the two commercials back-to-back like that. I generally don't like to go that long without content. Uh, I generally do commercials in the first half and the last half. 
But I don't want to break into the rest of the show once Amber and I get going. This is a really important topic, and so we are doing things a little bit differently than we generally would. So what we're looking at right now is a very dire situation where some of our major public safety institutions in my home county, in Amber's home county, are being severely understaffed due to no fault of the elected sheriff or no fault of the departments that these people are serving. It's This is a great place to, to live, work, and play. The, the sheriff is a great sheriff. There's great leadership here. Now, there might be some questionable leadership within the commissioner's office. There may be some questionable leadership within the counselor's office, and we're going to determine that, the, the county counselor's office, we're going to determine that, I guess, d- depending on what happens here just in a couple weeks, there is a little bit of time crunch on what we're talking about. And so we're going to get into all of that, and we're going to be explaining all of this to you. And my hope is that you'll listen to this information, and you will share this show. If you know somebody that lives, works, or plays in Delaware County, Indiana, they need to hear this. And honestly, they need to hear it before July 27th at 9 a.m. So we're recording this on the 12th. That doesn't give us too many days. It's going to drop on July 13th. Depending on whenever you listen to these episodes, I know some people listen to them straight away. Some people listen to them in a few days. You're, you're going to want to you're going to want to handle that. But please share this with as many people as you can. Now let's find out what's going on. Amber, you actually brought this to me last week and we're concerned about this. So why don't I let you kind of let us know what you were concerned about, what I've looked into, and what we all know now is a major problem here in Delaware County, Indiana. So we've known for a while, we as in myself and my husband, that the county officers here are severely, severely underpaid. Um, when, When Chris and I first got together, this has been almost 10 years ago, I I said, he was on county SWAT, he still is. And I said, you know, why don't you just go to the county? You seem to be really good friends with those guys. The SWAT team has has more of a, you know, brotherhood camaraderie than just a, a regular department. And he was like, it'd be a pay cut. And I was like, what? No way. It's a big department. Like me being, you know, green, no, no uh-huh. pun intended. Um I, I, I was like, you're, you're, there's no way like, okay, pay cut. Like how much are we talking? Like 50 cents an hour, which can still add up. But I thought he was talking like just minimal Sure. and he didn't want to leave because he was comfortable. And then I, I started seeing the discrepancies and I was like, okay, this is, this is nuts. And then of course we were very active supporters of Skinner for sheriff when he ran what was that two, three years ago? And they had, you know, a lot of people retire in the last three years and they're bringing on all of these new young officers and they're sending them to the Academy and the Academy is not cheap. And I'm just like, okay, when, like, when is it going to feel like these other departments in Delaware County 
have police departments that have an average age of older than like 22. <laughs> right. Which nothing against those young people, but it's, it's really weird to be at that point in your life where most of the cops, you know, right. Well, that you don't know, but most of the cops that you see on the road anymore are younger than you. Sure. Like, and I'm not old. And, <laughs> right. And we got to talking about it and I was like, why? I mean, every, I, it seems like every other day you see the County and the city posting that they're hiring. And then you see them, you know, lateral transfers because then you're not, you're not paying for the Academy at that point. You're getting somebody with some experience and it's it's wild to me some of the guys that Chris has been on SWAT with for oh gosh like 12 13 years who hold higher rank than him within the county make far less than he does yeah and i i i i don't know how to word this nicely my husband works hard sure, and he faces the same risks that everyone else does as a police officer. But in Yorktown, I think those risks are a little smaller. Yes and no. I mean, you, you face the same situations and you deal with the same calls. You just might be dealing with it on a different call volume, but you know, yes, but, that's but, what you I'm know, meaning. You, like yeah. his call volume is, is lower than the counties. Yep. He covers a smaller area than county and he's still paid more. Yeah. And I'm like, what is the gig? And Chris wasn't super familiar with why that is until recently when, you know, more people started talking about it. And it's because for whatever reason, the Delaware County Council just has a real problem with raises. Yeah. Now, real quick, let me break in here and tell you. So, the the how this works, and it works this way in Delaware County. It works this way in all other counties in Indiana. And then, you know, I feel safe to say, even though I know laws and and duties are a little bit different from various state to state, I feel confident saying it works this way probably in most other states. That. In city government or town government, you know, or city, yeah, if you have a mayor, that's the executive. If you have a city council, that's the financial body, the legislative body. Um, in county government, you have an executive body, which is the three commissioner board. So it's three people that make up the commissioners, and that's the executive body. Then you have a county council, and they they deal with the fiscal side. Now, it's a little bit different than the city because the commissioners, since there are three of them, they also deal with some legislative aspects of government, and the the they also deal with some financial aspects of county government. So the, the lines kind of blur a little bit, but the body that is in charge of setting this uh, would be the Delaware County Council, which is a seven-member uh, board, made up of four council members from four different districts and then three at-large members. And that that varies county to county uh, or state to state, but that's what's currently going on locally. And so the county council would have to vote, 
you know, to make a pay increase. And it's it's been a little bit of time since that's happened. Uh, you know, the council that we have had for quite some time has been very conservative, and that's generally good. That's normally good, and, and you know, it's good to have people that are watching out for our tax dollars and making sure that, you know, we're not just, you know, making, you know, this person or this department a millionaire over here because it's, you know, my buddy or whatever. You know, it's good to have people that are really monitoring what's going on. But when we haven't had a pay increase and when you don't have pay increases for folks that have been working for you for 20 years, you know, there's definitely something wrong there. Um, and, you know, that's that's interesting. And you, you, you mentioned that, you know, you see the county or, or even the city currently uh, saying that they're hiring all the time. I remember back when I was, you know, interested in getting on a department, looking at all this, that didn't happen. The county hired once every two years, they would go through the process of taking applications and then they would create a merit well, list. That's, I mean, that's how it was when Chris and I got together yeah. nine years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the city of Muncie did not want to take lateral transfers. They wanted to take the officer, the new person. They wanted that person to be... Um, Oh, they wanted to kind of like bring them up. They wanted their, to bring them up, you know. Way. Yeah, right. And and so that was that was a big thing. Now, which I think I think most departments would still love for that to be their ideal, but you most departments can't afford that right now. They absolutely. can't afford to to be picky, which sucks because, in my opinion, you should be picky. Oh yeah, right. Like. Everyone, oh, I'm not, nope, I'm not even going to go there. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I I just, I've seen, so tell me, you probably know more about the history of, of the county council, county, uh, county council's voting history better than I do. I've seen one council member in particular, the only one, by the way, out of the seven, that has addressed this issue, even though it has been plastered all over social media for the last week. He says that historically the council has not wanted to give raises to one department unless they are giving raises across the board. Is that, do that you know is, if there's any validity to that? That is pretty, that is pretty correct. That's pretty correct. They have wanted to make sure that they are not showing favoritism to this this department over this department. They wanted to try and, you know, make sure that their county employees are looked at as a as a whole as county employees and that they are helping, you know, them all along the way. Okay, I'm sorry, but no. Right. Is there I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but are there and and I'm not negating this work. A job is a job, and I'm glad to anyone that's contributing to the county. But is there any secretarial position within the Delaware County that requires 16 weeks at the ILEA? Right, right. I'm, ILEA is the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy, for those that, that don't know that abbreviation. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're correct. Listen, it's not to say that working in the clerk's office 
is not taxing. It's not you don't deal you know it's not tough. You're not dealing with the public. You know I'm there. I'm sure that you're getting yelled at, and there's times where it's not fun. I you know I I, I understand that. I've had family that's worked in there. You know I I've worked in the county building. I worked in the Delaware County Prosecutor's Office, and and you know I I see what happened. In you know I I heard people going off, you know, with people in the public defender's office or or the ladies that worked, you know, in in the uh, assessor's office. And it, it is it's tough being being someone who works around the public and, and being a, a public employee, you know, someone who works in the government is is a tough job. Is it the same thing as strapping on ten to fifteen pounds of gear and a bulletproof vest to go out and, and, you know, serve a felony search warrant and pull a gun on somebody and have a gun possibly pulled on you. Uh, it's, it's not the same thing. And, uh, you know, this may hurt feelings and I apologize for those. If I do, um, you know, we can, we can always talk about it, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not the same thing, you know, and, and, the one thing that's that's crazy about this is the one county councilman who has brought this up, and I'm going to go ahead and say it's it's Ryan Webb. He's the one county councilman who's talked about this, and he is the county councilman that's taken a lot of heat over the last seven months and longer than that, if you include his campaign, for saying various things. People think that he's he's very polarizing. People either love him or hate him. And, you know, we've we've talked about things that he has has said on the podcast before. But in this instance, I, I believe that he is absolutely right. And I even I, even sorry to interrupt. You're you. fine. Even if I I didn't think he was right, which in this case I do. There have been times that I have not. Even if I didn't think he was right. I I have to give him props for at least saying something. Well, that's what like, I was going to say. I, I'm, the the heads in the sand right now is what's really taking me by surprise. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. I don't care what side of an argument someone is on. You know, if I if if someone is on a different side of the argument than me, yeah, I'm gonna you're gonna hear about it, and we can talk about it. And if you can tell me why you say that, I you know I've said this before. If you can tell me why you believe the way you believe, if we are are of difference opinion, you know, I, I will I will take that. You know, I might still argue my opinion, you know, to the public, but I I I'm not gonna be mad at you for having a different opinion than me. And I could even. I could even understand the silence if there were no information, like it were just, <sighs> oh, why are the county sheriff's officers paid so much less? Like, I could understand if there was there was nothing to back up that statement and they were waiting until they gathered information. But I think just today alone, I've seen the screenshot of the financial comparisons between departments in the state of Indiana probably 20 times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. The, the data is staring you straight in the face. The Star Press, who has been wanting to drag their feet quite a bit lately, have already posted an article. So the information is there. Like, I, I'm really confused by the, the lack of, at least, even acknowledgement. 
Well, like, that's 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 the thing that these these council members know what's being asked of them. And you're right. If if someone was to ask one of these council members or any elected official a question and that council person didn't have all the facts it's perfectly fine for that council person to say i don't have all the information i need to do more research now i do believe when that person does more research they need to get back to that person and give them the information you know that that doesn't mean you just shut it down and well i don't know and and i got to do more research but i'm never going to tell you you know you have to then get back to follow up but at that at this point i don't feel like it can be that i know that the sheriff has outlaid his plan to these people i know that these folks are aware that there is a major issue not only on the sheriff's department or with the road deputies but also with the the correctional officers and with the 911 call center i mean we're, i would be interested to see and this I don't think this really would have any bearing on the vote necessarily, but I would be interested to see the starting salary of a Delaware County Sheriff's deputy, like, you know, fresh, fresh meat compared to the salary of one of the, you know, office secretaries. Sure. sure. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see that. Sure. Absolutely absolutely to see how how it compares well you know this is one of the things so over the last year in all places across the globe we have been hearing defund the police defund the police now that's not what's going on here and this wasn't done because of, you know, um, some kind of social justice issue or whatever. No, this is just a lack of action. This, this is a is lack not... of action. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. The D, any, any place that has defunded the police, that took action to do that. This is, this is just nothing has been done either way. Right. Right. Well, uh, and so the thing is... Okay, the city of Muncie, okay, Muncie is a city inside Delaware County, for those of you that are listening that are not from where we're at. The city of Muncie has dealt with this same issue here in the last several years, four, five, six years. And they have taken steps in the last four, five, six years with the city council to work to make themselves competitive. And they've done a lot of work just in the last year, year and a half. And they're doing a lot of work. And that's part of the reason Delaware County is now suffering because some of these sheriff's deputies are leaving to go to the city of Muncie or they're leaving to go to Ball State uh, University Police Department. In Delaware County, we have nine police agencies, uh, including the state police. The state police might make 10, but I, I like what the sheriff said. I, I feel like Sheriff Skinner ran a very transparent campaign for office 
when he ran for office, he was very out and open about everything, and he was willing to talk and communicate, and he was very outspoken, okay? And I liked that approach. I was very supportive of, of Sheriff Skinner, and I was very vocal about that on the podcast and on my live, my live episodes as well. And I like that Sheriff Skinner's doing that. He, he was in the newspaper today, in the local Star Press, and it opens up by saying, Delaware County Sheriff Tony Skinner isn't trying to avoid public scrutiny of his bid to win significant pay raises for his deputies. In fact, Skinner hopes that county taxpayers will join him in his effort after considering statistics that show how far underpaid the deputies are. And I think that speaks volumes about what's going on here. So this this man who is tasked with running this department, who are tasked with protecting and serving the population, they are now coming to us and saying, we need your help. And what that help looks like is citizens contacting these elected officials and saying, we don't really know what the process is that you're going to have to go through, but you need to set down and you need to crunch numbers and you need to make something happen here. And we need to be contacting these seven council members. But beyond that, we also need to be contacting the three commissioners and we need to be telling these commissioners that they need to be expressing public support for this. Now, that should not be very hard because two of the three commissioners, besides being elected county commissioners, are law enforcement officers. Matter of fact, they are two chiefs of departments. So one of our commissioners, James King, is the current chief of the Daleville, Indiana Police Department. And one of the other commissioners, Shannon Henry, is chief of the Albany, Indiana Police Department. Both departments within inside Delaware County. And these men should be coming outspoken along with their, their third commissioner, Sherry Riggin, and saying, we support the county council in doing what they need to do. We will help them do this. Especially, and this is what really gets me, especially given the fact that the county either backs them up or takes quite a few of their calls, given that they are two of the smallest departments in the county. Granted, Daleville has about 5,325 reserves, but, <laughs> right. But they, it, if, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but if you were to pull the data, I would be willing to bet the county backs up Daleville and Albany on a huge portion of their calls. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. I, I, I think that, I think that is a very, a very safe statement that can be made. <clears throat> but part of me, Part of me worries that maybe we have not heard anything from any of the commissioners because that because they are chiefs and not actual patrolmen. Well, I mean that, that I mean I see where you're going with that, but I mean you would think that they would understand what it was like to be in charge of 
of guys that are that are working and um right but it's it's out of sight out of mind it's not it's not their guys they've, well, they've secured the budget for their guys and they're not the ones out there taking calls every day so um, is that is that why we haven't heard anything well i mean yeah that's 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 very very that's uh, who knows i mean i they, look look i've said that these commissioners the three of them need need to go for some time now now they could do things like this that might say okay maybe they need to be looked at but they they continue to hide from this and that then allows the council to to take a uh you know a page from their book and also hide from this and so <clears throat> you know i just it's very frustrating that that we are not hearing from any of these folks. Now, I sent emails to all seven of the county council members tonight, and I asked for their for their input. I just sent an email that said, Good evening, Counselor. There is an ongoing issue with the Delaware County Sheriff's Office. Pay for merit deputies and correctional officers. This is leading to some serious issues for the Delaware County for Delaware County. There is also an issue for the 911 call center. I am aware of a plan that Sheriff Tony Skinner has brought forward, and I am in hopes that the council will pass his plan. However, I have not been able to find your position on this matter. Will you be voting in favor of Sheriff Skinner's plan? Do you have any other thoughts on this matter? I am definitely looking forward to the hearing from you on this matter in a timely manner. So I'm hoping that at least some of them will get back. Now, I will say I have had communications with one of the seven. That's Ryan Webb, and he's the one council member that has been outspoken that he is in favor of helping these guys however he can. Um, you know, but when... But even the one thing I've noticed with him, and this, this is nothing against him, but even in his his outspoken yes i will support them he already sounds defeated well uh, I, I can i have not heard this and this would only be a guess but my fear in that is that he has talked to his fellow council members my fear is uh, that that would kind of surprise me cuz he kind of seems like the, the redheaded stepchild. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, I know. But I also see him as somebody who being undeterred by that would push them for answers. And especially if he's being outspoken and, and, and being in one corner, you know, I could see, you know, him getting the information that, you know, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I. Wh why do you think he would he would be defeated? Why do you feel like he would think he was defeated? I don't. I. I honestly don't know. I just feel like I've noticed that in his commenting, he he says, "I will do anything I can," but historically, the council doesn't seem to support these things. Hopefully, we can get them to change their habits. Like it just doesn't. It doesn't come from a place of confidence. Right. <clears throat> well, 
I, you know, it's 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 scary because you know I, I'm afraid that that you know I don't have much confidence either. I I have confidence in in the sheriff's department. I have confidence in our sheriff. I don't know that I have a whole lot of confidence in the council. I don't know that I have a whole lot of belief that they'll do the right thing. Um, and, I, you know, I believe that stems from not having confidence in the commissioners because I don't believe that they'll do the right thing. You know, this is not, this is not a new issue. This has been something that has been occurring for some time. Now, the, the odd thing here is there has not been a lot of public outcry about this until just recently because it, it wasn't it wasn't really known like by the general public well no cuz i mean even though county sheriff's department salaries well any police department salaries are public information it's still kind of that like taboo thing where you don't talk about how much money you make you know right Right. And, and you don't, I mean, this last year has been such a shit show for cops anyway. Like, can you imagine being the cop in 2020? Like, thankfully it's 2021 now in 2020 where you're like, well, I just don't get paid enough <laughs> on top of everything that was going on. Like <laughs> you, you would have been just social media murdered. Like, well, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you right. You're I, I definitely see what you're saying there. Um and it's 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 rough because you know, we are in a we're you know, right now we're just in a rough time financially speaking coming out of COVID and having issues, you know, we are in a rough time also throwing on on top of that the social justice issues. That, okay, you know. here's here's a question about like we are in a rough time. I was reading comments um I on somebody's post about this. I honestly couldn't tell you who's is it true that the county will be getting ARP funds just as the city has? Okay, so it, it's not only true, they I I believe they've already received them. Oh, really? I I believe that Delaware County has already received ARP funds. Now, has the city already received theirs? The city has already received theirs. The city. Oh, so that of, means that Yorktown has probably received theirs too. Okay, just an interesting bit of information. Go on. Little side note. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. So, just because this is something that we do need to talk about, and and there is an aspect of this that that I do want to I do want to talk about with that. So, the city of Muncie received, in my I believe around $32 million, the city of Muncie did. Okay, and they have already broken theirs down. They have had a yeah. multi-level plan. Matter of fact, it was announced. They broke theirs down quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's been about three or four weeks now. And I wanna say that they, the city of Muncie was one of the first cities in the country that came out with the plan of how their money would be spent. <clears throat> and overall, their plan has been pretty much okayed by the public. There have been some questions. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe that I heard overall, 
between the city of Muncie and Delaware County, we were expected to get roughly 52 or 53 some thousand or million dollars. So I, I believe that that means the city of Muncie received 32 million. Delaware County was receiving somewhere around 25 or so 25 million dollars somewhere around there. Okay. Let's just play it safe and say they received 20 million dollars. I have an issue straight away with what occurred when the city found out that they were receiving this money. The first thing that they did was they created a committee that was made up of the mayor, the city attorney, city council members, uh, a city council attorney, and maybe some other people from the city government. It was like a committee of like five or six, seven people. And they, as members of city government, along with attorneys, dealt with the federal guidelines and how the money could be broke down, how the money could be used. And they debated this for weeks. I want to say that they talked about it for about six weeks in total before they released what was happening. But this was decided upon by a large committee of not just one entity. It wasn't like the mayor said, okay, I'm doing this all myself. Or the council said, we're doing this all ourselves." It was several, several different departments from several different, uh, you know, sections of government within the city government. The first thing that Delaware County did when they received the word that they were getting this money was the three commissioners passed an ordinance or a resolution, one or, one or the other, I think an ordinance, that they would be the primary body to decide what happened with the ARP money. That means... Okay, so how are, how are they able to do that? Like, how does this, this three-member group basically get to vote for themselves for everything. Well, I mean, within the law, they're they're the executive body of the government. Um, you know, and it's 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 like I always say, you know, just because the law says this is the way that this has to be done, the law is the floor, not the ceiling. It is a starting point. It's the bare minimum. Now, you could do differently and go above and beyond, and that's the, that's the ceiling. You have to ask yourself if you're okay with the bare minimum. You know, Which more people are than uh, are not. Right, by, by process of not caring or not being involved or, or just saying it's, it's too hard. You know. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and that's, that is, is definitely rough. Um. So these three members, and when we say three, I always jokingly say it's actually two because it only takes two members to vote in favor. Now, all three of them voted unanimously, so all three of them voted for this. But it only took two to say yes. And those two generally happened to be the two police officers, the two commissioner, the two males, 
Henry and King, I call them the cowboy kid commissioners, they tend to always side with one another. So I always say it basically gives two people the power in the county because their third commissioner could say no and they could just vote yes and their two votes to her one no would allow them to to do whatever. So essentially, this is giving these three people the say in what happens with this money. Now, I have said what should happen and I think it could still happen I don't know how good it would do, but this is a place where I believe the council should push back on the commissioners and they should say, no, we want a seat at this table. You need to reopen this up and you need to create a board of all of us. If you want to have all three of your commissioners on, that's fine. We need at least two council members. Make it a five-person committee. You would still have the vote over us. But we need to have a seat at the table. Also on the Absolutely. board should be the county uh, council attorney and the, and the commissioner attorney, which I believe happens to be the same person. Uh, which I don't think should be, but that, that's a whole other story. But they should have a seat at this table. Now, that being said... The city broke down their ARP money and let us know straight away how it was going to go to where. And we have to keep in mind that there are federal guidelines that allow the city to say where this money goes. If the city started to use that money in a way that was not proper then we would have to pay the money back. Okay, so... <clears throat> what, what we need to understand is that there are strict guidelines on how this money can be used. Something that is concerning to me, and, and then I, I want to make sure, you know, I, I, we, we need to make sure that um, we understand is that I don't believe that much of this money could go to pay salaries or things like that. This no, had to I'm... go to fixing a lot of stuff. However, if this money can be spent on fixing a lot of other things, there could be other money freed up for taking care of these deputies. Yeah, that's, that's more along the lines that I was thinking. I, sure. I, I don't know. I sure. Mean, who knows how the money can be spent? Who knows how easy it's going to be to fudge how it's spent? Because, um, I mean, we all know that happened with PPP money. Right. So right. how is this going to be any different? Well, that, that that's the other thing is we don't know how the county has decided to spend this money. The, the city put out this great, big, long budget and they said, okay, we're going to give, you know, $3 million here and $2 million there and $5 million here and $2 million here. We knew this. And they put out this great big schedule. Before, I mean, from what I can tell based on the timeline you're telling me, we knew this before that money was even received. <clears throat> right. Well, uh, 
yes and no. They started talking about the process, but I mean, yes, because they knew what the guidelines were. So, um, you know, that, you know, right. Just they, they went to, they went to work planning right away. Now I, I'm not saying that the County didn't do the same thing, but it's just the three of them. It's just the two of them, you know, who knows now they're not allowed to meet or talk behind closed doors. They're not allowed to call each other and discuss this. They're not allowed to send emails, and I have no proof that they have. I also don't have proof that they haven't. You know, open door violations happen quite frequently in county government. Uh, you know, I have several different violations of various agency, of various com communities. My, my most recent was in Henry County, and it's just something that happens. And that's part of why I say that this needs to be more than a three-member board made up of two buddy-buddies who make up the, the, the ruling decision, you know. Um, who knows? Who knows what will happen there? Uh, I, I would say that, that that ship has sailed. However, the county commissioners, knowing that these people know that they have this money, maybe we could force the county commissioners to, to tell the county council, you know, we approve this, we will help you out, we'll help supplement this with ARP money. You know, I, I, don't, even, I, I don't even know what's possible there, but it's because they are keeping all of that hush-hush. I am in the process of getting all of this information. I have recently requested through a records request all of the information on the county's ARP money. And I hope to be getting this information soon. Uh, we'll have to see you know, how long they'll jerk me around on it. But one of the things that we need to talk about and one of the things that if you're listening to this and you are interested in helping. One of the things that you need to know is how to do that. Okay. We are recording this on July 12th. All right. So if you're somebody that listens to these episodes right when they come out, you may be in a position where you can help. If you listen to this two months after it's recorded, uh, it's probably done, <laughs> done, you know, and that does happen. And I appreciate you listening all the same. Right. But if you're listening to this and it is in the early parts of July, in the middle parts of July, uh, 2021, then we need your help and you need to help because this does affect you. If you live in Delaware County, and I don't care if that means you live in Gaston or you live in Cowan or you live in Yorktown or you live smack dab in the center city of Muncie, you are a Delaware County citizen. Everybody who lives within the border of Delaware County has a say in what goes on here. You may need to pick up the phone and call 911 or call non-emergency. You may need to, to a Delaware County Sheriff's deputy. 
even though you live in the city of Muncie, Muncie might be tied up. Your life might depend on a Delaware County Sheriff's deputy. Okay, let me let me interrupt you. Sure. <laughs> you said Muncie might be tied up. I can guarantee <laughs> you Muncie will be tied up. Sure, sure. Absolutely, so yes. You, yes. If you are the type of person that has never had any interaction with emergency services, whether it be, you know, EMS, police, fire, any of the above, if, if you are basing, you know, your expectation of response time on like law and order or something like that, um, I'm just going to tell you now to prepare to be disappointed <laughs> because Absolutely. the city and the county. So if you're not living in one of these small towns, the city and the county are so understaffed right now yep. that your response time, if you are not like bleeding out and dying is, is not going to be ideal. And listen, that's not because they are bad or in the wrong. It's because they are understaffed. Yes. And it, Delaware County, I mean, Delaware County is not huge. Like right. this isn't like, you know, this huge bustling metropolis. But to get from one end of the county to the other, that takes a good 20, 25 minutes. And this is this is something that people don't know. If if you're not in the know, you, you don't know. I mean, and maybe people would rather be ignorant about this and not hear this. So if you don't want to be scared here by hearing backdoor police secrets, then maybe turn this section off. <laughs> but especially on on thirds on on the evening night you know starting at starting at 10 from like 10 to 6 a.m you're at most talking about having three maybe four county deputies on in the entire delaware county area that's three deputies one oh, yeah. south, one north, and one roving or one center. And that that's three deputies. So that means if there is a car crash on I-69 south of Daleville at the far southwest side of the county, and there is... An alarm call in Selma, which is southeast, and there's a domestic violence call up on State Road 67, up by Delta. That leaves one officer coming to help you. Now, we also have small town departments that are, are work well together and, are, and state police that work well together. But we have very... You know, few resources to work with, you know, and we need to understand that. So when when she says it takes 25 minutes, that's running lights and siren, you know, and, and we have to understand that there's not 25 guys on, you know, during a shift. Yeah. And, and so it, it's important to understand that this will affect you no matter who you are, no matter where you live. This has the capability of affecting you. 
Yeah, that's that's the point I was trying to make. Sure. I was I'm not trying to scare anyone, but even if like he, here's my personal experience and mind you, my husband is a cop. I was in a wreck. I was not at fault. I was rear-ended by a gas company vehicle. Um, so there had to be a police report done one because he was driving a fleet vehicle two because there was damage to my vehicle. I was technically in Muncie city limits. So my call was originally dispatched to the, I ended up waiting an hour and 20 minutes just to get a police report. I mean, we were fine. We were moved off of the road, um, but just to get, we had to have a police report because of the nature of the accident. And we had to wait an hour and 20 minutes and it ended up being County that responded, not city. Right. Right. Well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, it's little, it's little things like that. Like that's a, you know, a minor inconvenience, but if you're, I mean, even if you're rear ended and all it is, is just a little damage to your bumper if it's enough that you need to turn it into insurance and you need a police report, you're going to be sitting and waiting because the county cannot afford to hire anyone. Well, they can't, they can't afford to keep anyone right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, you've got people leaving, right. And and that's one of the things right now that, that Delaware County is a training ground. You know, I, when, when, when I was young and, and coming up, uh, I remember Ball State University used to be the training ground. So what would happen is people would get hired on Ball State University Police Department. Ball State would send them to the academy. They would come back and they would do their 12 or 18 months at, uh, fulfilling some kind of contract with Ball State University. And then that person would apply to Muncie and jump to Muncie. Or that person would apply to Yorktown and jump to Yorktown, or or to the county, or or out of county. They would go to they would go to Madison County, or they would go to IMPD. And so, well, not IMPD because they <laughs> yeah, use their own academy. But nobody's going sorry. to IMPD yeah, yeah, right now. That, that was yeah, that was stupid. Anyways, uh, Marion County, whatever. Anyways, um, the point is they would go there and they would leave. And, and that used to be a really bad thing that the ball state university police department had to work with. They could never get enough. And here's what we need to understand in law enforcement. You want experience, you know, everybody bitches about having, you know, there's, there's Barney Fife. He's only, he's like, looks like he's 14 years old. He's carrying a gun, you know? Okay. Well then you want people who have five and six and 10 years on the department who have that experience and that knowledge and that training and that life experience, then you got to be able to keep those guys. You have to be able to send somebody to the Academy and expect them to do their career with you, you know, and you're not going to be able to do that when they can come to you. They can get trained and it be the wild, wild west, because let's face it, Muncie and Delaware County get crazy calls for for the size of, of the city and the county we are. You know, you, you can come and get the experience here in two years that it would take 10 years in a lot of other places. And then you can jump to 
Hendricks County and make $25,000 a year or more and do less work. Yeah. You know. And probably, you know, get rank and you know, Absolutely. 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 Hey, listener, listen, when she said she wasn't trying to scare you, I, I was. The point being is we need to help these guys because they're here to help us. And this is a dire situation where they could one day maybe not be here because they're understaffed. And that could be a very scary situation. You may have a situation where you have a family member that, you know, maybe they've got a drug problem. Maybe they've got a drinking and driving problem and they go to jail. And you want to know that when they're in jail, they are safe while they are there. And let's be clear, when the jail is understaffed, people are not safe. And they are severely understaffed currently. They've had 25 people quit in the last five months. And because they're understaffed, they're now polling road deputies to work in the jail, which that's affecting the road deputies because the road deputies are already understaffed, but polling deputies from there makes them even more understaffed. Not only are we looking at the jail and the sheriff's department being understaffed, but the 911 call center is understaffed. And hell, that's your first stop. You know, if you can't get someone to answer 911, then it doesn't really matter. You know, if, if you can't get them to answer the non-emergency call, then it doesn't matter if we've got police or fire EMS or, or jail or whatever, you know, it, uh, no one's coming. So if, if no one's answering the phone because nobody's working or because there's only so many people working and too many people are calling, that's a bad day. That's a bad day to pick up 911 and the phone be busy, you know, or, or it just well, ring and ring. Not even just, just the not answering a good dispatcher makes a huge difference yes. in how your call is going to turn up. Yes. Or turn out. I right. Guess. Yes. Like, and, and that's the same thing. It, it's taking time and money and, and you want experience with those people as well. You don't want to be calling during a, 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 an armed intruder in your house and be talking to a dispatcher <laughs> who's day one, uh, you know, on his, on, on his or her, her own, you know, you want to talk to somebody that has 25 years experience, you know, that, that can, that can help you and that can get the police there, you know, in a quick, quick manner that can, you know, help you stay alive, you know, um, or for a medical call or whatever. So the, the 911 call, call center is understaffed by eight, uh, and they have four others getting ready to leave. So that's going to put them down by 12. They have recently went to mandatory overtime. They're working 16-hour shifts, which is dangerous. They have been told that they must call off their vacations. They were told that they could not have their time off during the 4th of July. This is the summertime. People take off vacations. Um, so... You know, they were told that their vacations are off. So, so you know, they're working in very, you know, hard conditions there. They're having a hard time keeping anybody. Then yeah, sure. the, the jail, the, excuse me, the sheriff's department is losing guys and they're understaffed and they're losing people left and right. And they've got, they've got four or five people looking to, to move on in the next couple coming weeks or months. And, and oh, so, here's, here's a real, this is an interesting piece of information and I'm, I'm sure, very sure. intrigued to see if this will affect, you know, voting 
for assistance in the future. One of the county commissioners we have been talking about, his son just left this county, this county sheriff's department. He just quit it because of pay. No way. Did he go someplace else? I am not sure where he went, but yes, his last day with Delaware County Sheriff's Department was one day last week. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that right there, like, I mean, that doesn't hit much closer to home than that. Sure, right. No, no, no. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, there you go. Out of sight, out of mind. That's like them having their guys taken care of. You know, his his son is on to greener pastures, so, you know, is it is it going to matter? Maybe, maybe if his son was still here, maybe, maybe you know, that would have mattered. I, I don't I don't know. Hope, hopefully they they look at that and they realize why, why we need help there. So you, you've got the sheriff's department. Then getting back to the jail, you've had 25 correction officers quit in in uh, five months, 25. And the reason that matters is. You know, you have a jail that has two or three hundred people in it, and for safety reasons, they're supposed to be ten or eleven people working a shift, or I don't even know how many, you know, fifteen or sixteen. I don't know what the exact number is, but when you've got twenty-five people that have left, I guarantee you they are working with fewer people than what they should be. And here's, here's another part of the problem. They are working with so few people that the sheriff is actually having to pull people off the road to work in the jail. Okay, this is why this causes a problem. Pulling people off the road to work in the jail takes people from the road... These people who are trained to work the road should be working the road. We're now taking people off the road. We're putting them in the jail where they're not trained to work. So you're, you're, you're creating safety issues. Okay. You're also creating in this officer's mind the you know thought that, man, if I just went to Johnson County, there they don't have the road deputies work the jail. Right. I could go down there and I could make $20,000 more and and get to do what I was hired on to do, you know? And you, you inevitably, out of this entire situation, whether it's jail guys or road guys, you have them working overtime. Right, Tons right. Of overtime. So, I mean... Do the math. Like, money is money, whether it's being paid in a regular salary or as overtime. Which Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure some of these guys are happy to get the overtime, but it's it's not how it should be. Sure, sure. That's you know that you're you're exactly correct. That's that is absolutely correct. And here's one of my. This is. This is not necessarily a huge safety concern. It's just I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. Muncie, well, I guess it's technically in the county. Delaware County is hosting not only the regular 70.3 Ironman that they always host, 
this year. They are also hosting the the bigger one, whatever that is, like one forty point six, like a full a full Ironman. I I don't know. Yeah. I'm clearly not a runner. <laughs> um, and usually that takes quite a few officers from from every agency in the t- county they they sign up like they get paid um you don't have to be a county officer but city and county are both so understaffed how are i mean how are we going to block off half the county roads for that um yeah right which that's i mean it's not a safety issue i'm just i grew up out there i remember I remember having to come up with some very creative ways home on that day or some very creative ways to work on that day when I was growing up. And I mean, now that it's, it's going to be double the length because they're hosting both the 70.3 and the, the full Ironman. Right. That's going to be, that's going to be an all day thing. Right. Cause usually, I mean, even when it was just the 70.3, that thing goes, till two three o'clock yeah yeah, right Mm -hmm. so where i mean where are we going to pull these people from are we going to allow people from other counties to come and work it if they want the if they want the pay right because they're not getting paid by the county or the city i'm pretty sure they're actually getting paid by the iron man right right um but well look this is a this is a very serious situation and so You know, the reason that we're telling you all of this is so that specifically, listen, I I don't care if if you're listening to this and you're in Colorado, if you want to write one of these people and bitch, do it. I don't care. I the more the more the merrier. Um, (laughs) But specifically, if you're listening to this and you're in Indiana and specifically if you're in Delaware County, Indiana, we need to be contacting these people. So there's a couple ways that you can you can help. You can just share this episode, share this episode, get this information out and spread this so people can hear it, share it on your social media, share it on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. It's episode 161. You can share the link. However, you're listening to it, share it. You can also share the stories of it in the description of this episode. I will share a link to a posting of a Delaware County Sheriff's Department Lieutenant who has also been supplemented by the Chief Deputy of the Sheriff's Department. I will share a link that has a breakdown of what's going on here that's great to read, and you can share that. I will also, in the description of this episode, post a link to the Star Press newspaper article of the breakdown of all of the sheriff's departments around that has been compared with Delaware County. So you can see, and you can hear from the sheriff's mouth himself. I will put that all in there also in the description. And most importantly, I will put the email addresses to the seven council people and the three commissioners and what you need to do is share the word. We need to get this out. More people need to hear this. Share the podcast, share the newspaper, share the story, share this information. But then 
go above and beyond. And if you're so inclined, email these people. And it's very simple. Tell the commissioners to, to publicly say they back the sheriff and they want the, com- the council to, to figure out a way to increase the pay of the sheriff's department and the correctional department and, and 911. But, but they need to be working with the sheriff on this. And then for the seven council members, simply tell them that you support the sheriff's department and you support pay increases for the sheriff's deputies and email that to them. Email them that, tell them that you support that, ask them where they stand and tell them that you want to hear back from them. And then beyond that, and there is a timeline to this, a a time there is, you know, I understand that people will, will be hearing this after. So if you're hearing this after, you know, maybe follow up with what happened. But on the 27th of July, that's Tuesday, July 27th, 2021, at 9 a.m., the Delaware County Council will meet in the Delaware County Building. It is the County Commissioner's Courtroom, room 309A. You will want to attend that meeting, and you can speak during the meeting. You can have your... Uh, voice be heard and you can show up in solidarity of these sheriff's deputies and of yourself because this affects you. And many, many people from what I've been told will be there at 8 a.m. as opposed to 9 a.m. to, I don't, the word protest has gotten kind of an ugly rap in the last year. So I'm very hesitant to use that word, but Show solidarity, um, show support. Yes. And and honestly, like, I hate to say it this way because I don't like that it's come to this, but to kind of, you know, put some heat on these council members. Right. Right. It needs to be done. It has to be done. Um, you know, I... Look, when I first started doing this podcast, I talked a lot about local issues... And then when the podcast started growing and I started having listeners from other areas, I turned it more into a national situation and I talked about becoming better citizens in your community and I used my experiences to highlight how you could. So the local people still got local stories and people who didn't live local got you know examples of how they might interact in their communities. This is a pretty local story again, but let's be very serious. This is going on everywhere. This is going on in city and town departments. It's going on in sheriff's departments. It's going on in you know places where they're called constables or marshals. This is going on in law enforcement everywhere. Just because of what's happening in the economy. But we have to understand... You get what you pay for. And if we don't want to deal with the situation that's on the other hand, where we're dealing with shootings and questionable tactics being used, then we need the very best people possible. I mean, uh, mm, yep. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, uh, did did, did I cut you off there? Did you, I mean, or I mean. No, I just. 
<clears throat> this is, I mean, this is just clearly a topic that we could go on and on Absolutely. for, for a sure. long time. Sure. And I don't, I'm, I'm, I keep thinking things and I feel like that'll just derail us. So, I mean, the, the end game really is this, whether you think this affects you or not, it does. And just, just by, you know, what is it like six, six degrees of separation or something like that? Sure. You, you probably know someone oh, who yeah. is in law enforcement that is being affected by this, or you know someone who cares about someone who is in law enforcement that is being affected by this. Absolutely. And it's not really like most of these guys would, would do this job and continue to do this job that they've been doing well. Sure. If the pay did not change. Sure. Because they're good people. <clears throat> yeah. And they care about what they're doing and they care about doing their job well. But I can't say that that statement is true <clears throat> for the incoming generation of officers. Right. No. Right. And I'm not saying that it's not true, but the, the younger seen. generation is different. And with and with any position when there's when there's desperation you are going to get more bad apples yep. than when you have the chance to actually weed through them and truly pick the best candidate <coughs> yeah right now there's no time for picking great candidates it's oh you applied okay right you've got and a leg all right you know and that's not okay. Right. No, no, like, no. Right. Absolutely. I've heard I've heard there are other I've not heard this in Indiana, but I have heard that there have, are other states where they are legitimately looking at and maybe some already have lowering the threshold of some officers could be hired with felonies. Like if you had lower level, non-violent, non-felonies uh, of, of deception, like theft or whatever, if, if you uh, say you had an OWI, you know, when you were, and, and let's face it, you could get an OWI when you were 21 years old. And, you know, you're just out of partying, you know, out of college when you're 24 and you could get another OWI. So two within five years and bang, you've got a felony. Now, it doesn't mean you're a serial killer. It doesn't mean you can't be trustworthy. Maybe you get your act together, and then by the time you're 31, you've been, you know, a teetotaler for several years, but damn, you've got this felony. I don't know that there shouldn't necessarily be case-by-case -case basis where that could happen. Um, you know, but I also know that there are departments that have looked at taking, you know, uh, pretty serious drug felonies and, and, and other situations like that. And, you know, that is when you're really getting to the point where you're, you know, and I hate saying this, but, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, when you're talking about a, a profession that, you know, used to take, you know, what college graduates and, and, you know, you needed five years work profession and, you know, you, you're, they looked at your, your credit score and they talked to your neighbors and, you know, now they are they're begging people to, to just walk through the door. 
You know, um, people don't want to be the police anymore just because of all of the bullshit in the world. So we have to pay to just get them to be interested. You know, there are some people who are destined to do this that say, yes, I want to do this, and, and they would pay to do it, probably. But, you know, it's, it's getting worse and worse, and I don't see it getting better, and these folks need our help. And so, I, I mean, I've got nothing else. I'll just say this. Again, I want to say, you've heard what we've had to say here, but this is going to be an episode that is going to be very important that you look in the description of this episode. However you're listening to this, there's a description somewhere, and you'll want to take a look at the chief deputy's link that'll be there. You'll see a link to that. You'll see a link to the Star Press article, and you will see the emails of the elected officials that you must email. And I am begging that you do that. And if you're able to show up on the 27th of July at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., 9 a.m. for the meeting, I think 8 a.m. if you want to be there to show your support and solidarity, I'm asking you to do that. And, uh, you know, if you listen to this after the 27th, maybe email your elected officials and ask how, how they voted. And then we need to, we'll, we'll maybe have to do a follow-up to talk about what happens after that. Because if this goes the bad way, well, we'll need to discuss that. And if this goes the good way, we'll need to discuss that as well. So this will definitely deserve a follow-up episode. But I think that's all I have to say. You have anything more? I do not. Well, then the, we've talked about a pretty crazy subject, but we, we can't end before you make your announcement. Since we've been here last, what happened to you? Oh, yes. My store is officially open for business. All right. And so, tell them what that is and how they can do what they need to do. So I <coughs> opened Fate Style Studio in Yorktown, Indiana. This is a boutique for women's and juniors clothing, accessories, Basically, anything that involves your personal style, we have something for you. Clothing, accessories, home decor, beauty, it's there. Um, we are located directly across from the Yorktown Public Library. The address of the building is 8919 West Adeline Street. We do not have a sign on the outside of the building <laughs> yet because of town councils. Um, there is a large monument sign in the parking lot though. So you should not be able to miss that. Um, we have only been open one day so far. Uh, the grand opening was on Saturday, July 10th. We will be reopen for the rest of the week starting tomorrow. And our hours from here forward will be Tuesday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So if you listen to this podcast and you are a female, we've got something for you. If you listen to this podcast and you know a female that you buy things for, we've got something for you too. So come in and see me. Please, if you listen to the show and you come into the store, let me know that you listen to the show. I love to hear that. Um, other than that, just support small businesses. 
Absolutely. We need it. Yeah, very good. And where can they find you? The business page on Facebook and Instagram is at Fate Style Studio. Pretty easy. Um, the website should be up and running hopefully within the next week or two. Um, and then, of course, you can always find me on Facebook at Amber Green. Green has an E at the end. There you have it. Very good. Well, folks, you know how to get a hold of me. You can call the studio line at 765-546-9796 or text the studio line. You can hit me up on Facebook, Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318. Also, don't forget to share the show with everyone you know, specifically this episode and specifically if you live in Delaware County. This is an episode that people specifically in Delaware County, Indiana, need to hear Please share this information. And if you don't share the show, at least share the information. Get this information to as many people as you possibly can. This is a perfect example of how you can better your community through your citizen involvement. I generally say something at the end of all of these that we can go out and we can change the world and you need to get educated and get active and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you've listened to this, you've got educated on the subject, and I've given you resources to get further educated. Now, I'm asking you to go out into the world and, and better that through your involvement. This is a perfect way, and, I, and, and you need to do it today. There, this is, there, is a, you know, there is a time constraint on this. So if you listen to this before the 27th of July... At 9 a.m., please do what you can, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Until then, take care. Have a great rest of your life. Until the next episode, peace. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.